You. to witness the awesome crushing of my oh the U Z S Robinson show Stop Welcome, my friends. You know something I realized after finally listening to my own show? That I don't have to shout as much. Sorry. Anyway, uh, this is V. And let's see if I can do this. For those on the air, I'm trying to come up with six. There we go. Six. Three, six, six. The number of the beast. Well, actually, the beast, younger son. Uh, V66, wherein I take you behind the curtain. Something that nobody else had. Not Luke, not Ariel, nobody. Inside the mind, ESPN. I can't tell you who it was. Sworn to secrecy. Got stuff on background, but I got an overview, which will lead into UFC Fight Night 152. Talk about my presidential run. <laughs> bully, 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 bully. And of course, UFC Fight Night 152, about which I had very little enthusiasm initially, but which now I have a little bit more. But before then, stigmata, intro, calling of the just, intro all of nothing from their record, calling of the just, still available from Revelation Records, Hunger Beach, California. California. Ready to hit your hard car with a hammer. I'm on my way back to nowhere. I'm taking a real good look at you. Real good look at your face. So being paid back and for always nothing. All right, that's it. All right, jump right into it. First, first we want to do uh uh you know what the stock market is like? The stock market, when they talk about the number of the beast, since we already brought that up, and they, they have that section from uh, Revelations, uh, the book of Revelations by John, where they talk about the e eternal sea. Some who study this, and one of you uh, tweeted me stuff about Adam Weishaupt, who was supposed to be the face on the, the dollar, not his eye, was supposed to be the eye on the dollar, not George Washington. He was originally the father of this country, Rosicrucian. Uh, Mason wrote a bunch of weird kind of satanic borderline stag shit. That's not why I'm here. But um, where was I going with this? Adam Weasel. <laughs> Somebody uh, tweeted something to me about mm, about something or other. And I remember uh, I said, let, let me do a little bit explaining. Explain, uh, explaining. I got, I got my, my underwear crossed here. Two things. <laughs> The commercial for the top of the hour for the show. So some of you have been sending me uh, uh, um, on patreon.com slash the stomper. You're dedicating a certain amount of money. Mm, maybe you start at $2 a month. 
then you pop up to five. Some of you have started at five, you pop down to three. It's a paramutual system, a stock system. In the book of Revelation, the book of John, uh, uh, by John, they talk about the eternal sea. Some have posited that they were talking about the stock market because it's an abstraction on top of an extra abstraction. It's like tri-level chess, but instead of this way, top to bottom, it's a crossways. In other words, money is an abstraction and has no value outside of its signifying intent, okay? Um, the stock market, which is fundamentally about fictional money, if I'm stuck in the woods or stuck on an ice floor or a sinking ship, my stocks don't do shit. Like the money that they're based on also don't do shit. But um, there's a free-floating system, the eternal sea that they speak of in the book of John from which beasts will arise. And in this instance, we're not talking about anything nearly that grandiose. We're talking about some going from two to five, some going from five to three, some going from 100 to five, some going from 50 to 45. It all changes. So every single month that you go to patreon.com slash the stomper, it is a roller coaster ride of giving and taking. Uh, um, so uh, this is a commercial. I'm now doing them at the top of the hour because I, I, I want you all to never forget that this is somehow paid for by somebody somewhere. And want to use B-Land. I don't know that you want your, your full name using the show. Put in enough to get a call. We've talked. He's like, man, I'm keeping you on the air as long as there's breath in my body. And that's fine. I'll keep doing the show as long as somebody wants to hear. But whatever bells and whistles attend, I got to have enough to pay June, you know, um, who does all of the wraparound stuff, interstitial stuff, takes it and gets it to go live, you know. I got to have enough to keep the website going. So there are things that, you know, I got to pay for Wi-Fi, everything that everybody else pays for, but I need it. I need it. It's okay. I'm not pressuring. I'm just telling you about the uh, economics of scale here. And uh, the Adam Weisshout thing will come up again later. So um, anyway, let me jump right into, well, we got patreon.com slash the stomper. Um, if you want to find me, the at symbol, Eugene S. Robinson, I've, I, I no longer blocked that. I opened it up. Oh, shit. Sorry. This is why I do these intros, because I forgot. So it's open to everybody now. Instagram, Mr. Sleep 3, is uh, is still gate-kept uh, because uh, I'm, I'm concerned about spies, and I tend to get more personal on there. So if you have no – if you have no um, – there we go. I think I'm coming through. The, the viewer donated blue balls. Hey, remember that little dog we used to have? Oh, no, the, the, the little dogs, the little snowballs, the little dog we used to dye pink. That the one that died. Roma Raider gave this, live it and love it, you too. I, I appreciate it. I want to give credit where credit's due. Man, help me out. And he also gave me a camera, which I still haven't kicked in yet because I'm a fucking jerk off. But it's in the other room. I don't want to interrupt the show. I'll get it. I'll get it and figure it out sometime during non-show time. Maybe I'll do it on Tuesday on if the shoes fit and uh if i did it anyway um so instagram patreon.com slash stomper or on facebook.com slash stomperville you got everything you need to know to find it to give money if that's what you so choose i found the last two of that that that, that tranche of whipping boy records i found i found the last two if you want to bid on them whatever at this point now i just want to get them out so if you like Hardcore, American hardcore, early 80s hardcore. We're talking minor threat. We're talking negative approach. We're talking whipping boy. You can PayPal. 
whatever it is. The, the top bid has been $50 so far. Don't want to pay that much. I don't offer 40. I want to get them out of the house. Pinko 950 14 at yahoo.com is the PayPal address. They will get it out to you tomorrow. That's why we're pushing hard today because I don't want to have to send this shit out Thursday or Friday. I got stuff to do later on in the week. Anyway, that's it with the commercials. Let's go straight into the ESPN secrets. Now, some of you have what you need to realize. There are a few things you need to realize. The hell? There are a few things you need to realize. And one of the things that you need to realize is that though this occupies like 95%, well, let's not get crazy, 80% of my mental space. Well, that's a little, that's even a little crazy. I spent a lot of time thinking about the stuff that we do in this show. I don't really get paid for it outside of me begging you for your nickels and couch change, right? I get paid for another job. And I've always had, you know, uh, uh, plan A jobs. Like, in other words, plan A jobs that tie into what I studied in school that allowed me to buy the computer that, uh, you know, uh, that I'm doing the show through and have a nice frame poster like this. Actually, the glass is broken out, so it's not even really a frame. Well, it's got a frame on it, but no glass. And so at the same time that I've been doing Oxbow on stage in my underwear, punching people in the face and choking them out, I've also been hanging out with Bill Clinton. You can't Donna Shalala me. That's where the Donna Shalala thing came from. Donna Shalala, Kenny G, don't ask. Hey, you know, um, see you later. Uh-huh. That's why I've been in these positions of places where they would never let the guy in underwear on stage show up, and yet they let me show up. Because in the old days, before Google and the internet, I could maintain the Superman-esque fiction, or uh, di not fiction, division between that guy and this guy. Can't do that anymore, so I gotta keep it relatively clean, but it hasn't changed the fact that I'm still in a position to be meeting and greeting people of, of some renown. Like last year, and when I was hanging out with Joe Biden, the year before, hanging out with Carl Rove, all of which I've talked about on past shows. I only say this to get to give some context, and the context are the ESPN secrets. Now, let me explain a little. And as usual, during this show, uh, my phone lets me know if you if you have something that you want to fucking put in there. You can you can uh, send it via Twitter, and I'll see it, and I might answer it if I don't find it too distracting. But I want to go into ESPN secrets. So now. There are a couple of things that you can do if you're a journalist. And I got to be clear on this stuff because people go, oh, you media types, you're full of shit. Actually, we're not really full of shit, right? There's certain, like I had a problem a few weeks ago. I wrote about Dan Ahrens, A-H-R-E-N-S. He started a YOLO ETF, Exchange Traded Fund, that focuses on the cannabis industry. And I interviewed some cat, uh, a financial guy, uh, looking for a response to the fact that now cannabis is being publicly traded for the first, you know, uh, uh, what it directed, uh, direct traded fund or some kind of mumbo, Wall Street mumbo jumbo. Anyway, I interviewed this guy and he said, look, this is like a, an $11 billion a year industry. Fine. His company got wind of it and got angry and they come to me with the high hand. It's kind of imperious thing. Take that out, change it. You're not supposed to do it. No, 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 no. I don't work for you. I'm media. Let me explain how it works. Anything you say to me, if anything you say to me, I can quote. As long as I tell you, I don't even, yeah, as long as I tell you, I'm quoting you, 
and give you an opportunity to respond, you can't stop it. You cannot stop it. There's one condition that all legitimate journal journalists play by, and that's called off the record. If you tell me a whole bunch of shit, and then at the end you say, you do realize that's off the record, you fucking blew it. The second we're talking and you see me take a pen out and I'm making a scribble, or God forbid I'm recording on the phone, you are fucked. What you're supposed to do, if you're going to share, you know, you're not talking, I'm not a homeless guy on the street. You're talking to me and I'm asking you questions. If you're savvy, you go, what is this for? Well, I'm doing an article on such and such about such and such. Oh, okay. Off the record. Or if you're comfortable being quoted, you just tell me what you say. There's a third option. That's when you have somebody who's motivated to speak, but doesn't want the fucking grief that comes along with being publicly identified with the statement, which has caused somebody like Trump to wield semi-effectively the charge of fake news. So who are these people? Who are these who, who, who are your sources that are saying my White House is in disarray? Name them. In a court of law, I have that option to have my accusers, to stand before my accusers and have them named. You haven't given me that. Name them. He said, well, can't do that because they have requested that I keep this off the record. But, and here's a third option, they provided this information on background, which means I can use the information that they share with me but they are not okaying me to give attribution. I give you that professional media preamble to explain why I'm not going to get, tell you who are the ESP and I talked to. The guy talked to me and, and, uh, and was very media savvy, said right up front, mm, off the record. But on background, I will tell you. And it's not like he told me all that much. Dude just for whatever personal or professional reason didn't want it out there that he was chat with a member of the media. So now we're going to tie this into to MMA. So I'm glad that you had the patience to listen. Um, we have those of us who have been paying attention, us nattering nabobs of negativity. We have um, watched the deals gone through uh, the business side of it and had fe different feelings. If you've been paying attention long enough, you remember after the Fertitas bought it, we remember that there was very serious inside the fence, behind the curtain talk about it folding. The Fertitas had put a bunch of money in, weren't seeing money back. It wasn't, it, there was no cachet. Behind the scenes, I can tell you that boxing, boxing media sponsors had put national fucking, uh, uh, what do you call it, thumb screws to uh, their affiliates about carrying uh, uh, MMA shows, Budweiser, beer companies, at the behest of these, these boxing uh, conglomerates were also applying pressure or had uh, pressure applied to them vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, who was gonna gamble what. There was a lot of fucking pressure. We call it corporate will, institutional will, tilted against you know uh, MMA. And at this point, the Fertitas were not entirely sure that, you know, casino owners, why am I even in this business? I make more money with the casino. Why? Yeah, I like it, but... And then the Ultimate Fighter TV show happened, and it saved it. We watched it go to FX. 
We watched it go to um, we watched it go to uh, Spike. We watched it go to Fox, and then there we watched it go to Endeavor. Endeavor was we we expected great things because Endeavor used to be William Morris Agency, one of the biggest agents in the world, and we go you would have to be a blind man to not see the multiple synergies that exist between mixed martial arts. And you start seeing people up. We saw Ty Tyron Woodley appear in Straight Outta Compton, the movie. We've seen uh, uh, Dan Fry appear in the uh, uh, John Dillinger movie with Johnny Depp. We've seen, uh, these are MMA cats, Randy Couture in The Expendables. Gina Carano in the whatever thing is she with Channing Tatum, Ron, uh, Honda Housey and Entourage, start to see a lot of MMA placements, right? We start to see a lot of celebs sitting cage side, usurping my seat, so I have to sit in cheesy wine bars and, and, and cage drinks or drink water the whole night. That's fine. It didn't put any meat on the bone, so. In fact, we had very strong suspicions that Ari Emanuel didn't know shit. Didn't know what the fuck was, just seemed like something his, probably the people he hung out with told him to buy. Jeremy Pivens always, cage side, Stanley Tucci, you should buy it, you should buy it, you should buy it. You should buy it. These guys are great. Keith Jardine saw him in movies. I can go down the list of fighters I've seen in movies. But they bumped from guardrail to guardrail on this highway to nothingness and did nothing. Okay, ESPN buys it. It turns to ESPN Plus. They have a big splash. First fight, a lot of people register more than they ever expected. And we've been talking on, if you watch If I Did It and If the Shoes Fit, about the fact that all of the, the leverage that came from having to have each fight be huge, pay-per-view huge, and given some of these guys who could make them huge points, a la Johnny Boney Joni and McNuggets and the other big ticket needle movers. That shit's all gone. And so increasingly on If the Shoes Fit and If If I Did It uh, and some of the other shows, we've been having we've been having a sense that um, that we're in the back seat of a car, like I describe America, and there's nobody in the front seat of the car. Or like Curly like to say, I hate to spoil the fun, fellas, but I think we're all gonna die. Right? But like Biggie said, bad boys, bad boys move in silence and violence. Something from this interview was revealed to me. I'm going to go macro before I go micro. And macro, what was gone into, what was explained to me is this deal was in the works for a long time. The ESPN cat who put this deal together, a single individual, not the person I talked to, a single individual had his eye on the oofsie for a long time. A long time. In other words, he made it sound like the oofsie were, was a significant puzzle piece for ESPN's reorganization and recasting. If you remember, ESPN, the magazine, struggled and stumbled in the same way that you might remember when I went to Vegas to have a meeting with the bald one. Oh, you don't remember that, do you? Remember I did that whole set piece on, on, on Knuckle Up about going by the bald one's office as he pretended to work. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, takes the stapler, moves it from one side of the table to the other. Oh, that doesn't look good there. Move it back over here, over there. Got it. Move it. And we were there to pitch. I was there representing Future Publishing, 
and we were there to pitch a turnkey publication. That's what they did. They went to into Sony and said, you have a pretty good PlayStation community. We're going to do a PlayStation magazine for you. Top to bottom turnkey. All you have to do is sign this paper and give us this, and we'll kick back to you 75% of the profits. All we get operating costs and a little bit of profit on our end. Sony was like, we'll never do it. Cool. Go ahead. We approached the Oofsie about this. I went with fucking muckamucks who are now at EA, flew out to Vegas, met with Jennifer Wink. Wink, wink, wink. And uh, they said, great. Yeah, good, good presentation. What are you, you going to pay us? <laughs> They're going to pay us. No, 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 we don't, we don't pay you. We did, ah, yeah, well, how about two million? And, of course, in the, in the process, what happened is I think American Publishing, the same people that bought, I can't remember the name of the company, but the same people I think that bought Weeder, Weeder, Weeder Publications, which is Muscle Magazine and Muscle and Fitness and some of these others, they scooped it up. They, they volunteered to do the, the Oofsi Magazine. Any of you remember it? I don't say this to blow my horn. I say if Future had done, Future is a grossly mismatched company as well. I don't know why I say as well. They went from four four floors in a built in a massive office building in South San Francisco to three to two to one to killing the adventure sports division to selling off Revolver, their uh, heavy metal magazine. And fundamentally moved to an office in San Francisco, a single office. After having laid off 80% of the staff and moved the publishing to, to, to London. I kept meeting with these big ticket executives coming over, coming over from there. I'm like, man, how are they paying these cats to drive this into the ground? In any case, in any case, it would have by hook or crook would have fallen down in the toilet anyway. Because nobody but nobody was gonna wait four weeks their MMA news anymore. We could do that at the beginning when there was a fight a month, but there's a fight every fucking weekend. Nobody's waiting. And there was born the digital solution to MMA coverage. So we knew that Spike succeeded because they, you know, the bald one went in there and started like the cat with the, with the, with the cigar. Could somebody find that online? Some house music guy, some dance, trance, techno cat, did this video where the cat is sitting behind the desk and they it's a it's a cat puppet and the cat puppet is smoking a cigar and stomping on the phone and making it go. I love that clip. Find it please if you can. So uh we get sh- and I know that the Baldwin went in with Spike and did all that stuff. Oh, but, 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 and well, this is around the Ultimate Fire TV show. Spike <laughs> Yeah, okay, listen. This is what we're doing. Sign or we leave. And so we signed. But the ESPN guys have been watching and waiting, waiting and watching. Their own magazine is, if it's not gone, it will be. I think it's gone already. I remember going out of business. I think it's digital only now, which is where it should have been. But this guy said they had planned this for a long time. And not only had they planned it, but which puts a lie to the fact that uh, we just came out of an abusive relationship, right? We came out of not an abusive relationship. A relationship born of neglect, uh, speaking specifically of endeavor. I don't know Ari Emanuel's heart was not in the right place, but I don't think he knew what the fuck to do with us. Us, oofsie. MMA. ESPN, Sports Network, has been paying attention and been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And maybe they came to the same conclusion that I did. 
about why MMA would be a success. There are dozens of reasons. And I've been very public and laying it, laying it out there since the 90s. What did I say? Some of you got cranky with me when I said it, but this was going to be a winner because it's, it was a combat sport in which white cats were fucking competitive and widely competitive, right? You go into boxing gyms all over America. I don't know that there are many moms who are pushing their 12, 13-year-old sons and daughters into a fucking sport where the only target zone is the gut and the head. If you watch a Deontay fucking fight this past weekend, it was ow. And you know what? Like I say, if you follow me on, on, on Twitter, uh, I, I put the news out that Brett Akamoto put out about uh, uh, Sage. Uh, you see, I'm not using his last name as a punchline anymore because the laughter has now stopped. Dude has eight fucking facial fractures and nine hours of surgery. That doesn't take that long. That well, a woman's in labor longer than nine hours, but the actual delivery is much shorter. It's not surgery, even if it's cesarean, shorter than that. That's serious. If you remember Josh Koscheck when he got clammed in the eye, couldn't get back on an airplane. They did, George St. Pierre had knocked air into his brain. He wouldn't want him to get in an airplane and have that shit expand and bring him to have a stroke. This is serious. Sage, if he's smart, will never come back. And if you think he's going to come back, and it get hugs, you're exactly wrong. Nobody wants to kill anybody else in the cage, but they're not coming back with hugs, and they know if you got a facial fracture, hey, bro, you're on the wrong job site. You're on the wrong job site. If you're expected to take food, sausages off of my plate, and I'm going to respect the fact that your eye is taped together like a jigsaw puzzle. Stop it. OSB, bro. Other sports beckon. Don't know. Open up a gym, school, fitness program. Can't see you back here. And you got to know these cats, uh, Cosmo, Alexander, you get, these cats, they're showing up. When they're fighting a UFC guy, they're showing up and showing out. Why? Not because they want to stay with one. They got magic carpet ride back to UFSI. In any case, the point is ESPN has been watching and waiting. Waiting and watching and judging. Stepped in with the right time, bought it, and uh, and this cat made it seem like, I guess a cat could be a male or a female, I don't want to give too much away, made it seem like that this was uh, a crown jewel. And what I had said about it was that this was a sport where white cats were competitive because Ben Askren, 20 years ago, let's start with Randy Couture. Randy Couture's fucking career timeline involved being a, a junior college wrestling coach. You know that's fucking true. But you can have game, super competitive college graduate students. They used to call boxing the red light district of sports. Why? Because it's easy to fix for a lot of different reasons. Individual actors and cats who are not reading contracts. And suddenly, and if you don't think the bald one has done this, go check the record. Made a big deal about, oh, we don't have ex-cons. We don't have ex-cons. You know, okay, easy, easy, easy. You do, actually. 
But we don't have ex-cons. All of our guys are calling. This was a subtext for we got a lot of white guys who are doing this. It's all right. You know, I understand. I've heard Bill Burr's routine about white athletes versus black athletes. You know, and some guy said, oh, one time in the old show, Knuckle, oh, you only picked him because he's black. I go, you fucking stupid. You think that Japanese guys are getting rides from Uber and sitting around going, eh, another Corolla. Eh, fuck you, round eye. No. No, we're just here for the sports, man. We're just here for the sports. But the reality of it is, you know, we like seeing people who look like us do things that we like. It's a rich tapestry. By which I mean, you got to give up the land, white man. Which I mean, you know, Tom Cruise as Tupac Shakur in that new movie, Where My Bitches At, is not fun. Not fun. Scarlett Johansson playing an Asian woman makes about as much sense as John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. Not cool. Not cool. Movies, TV shows in New York City that don't have any West Indians, Africans, Blacks, Puerto Ricans, you know, people from the Caribbean, women, or people over 50, not cool because they all exist in New York City. So I've gone kind of far afield, but the point is ESPN has been watching. For all of the right reasons. So we are like the bad relationship people who expect, you know, the you know, our new partner reaches for of reaches for a glass off the shelf. They're gonna hit me. We're used to substandard treatment. We're used to people with their hearts in the right places, but their heads up their ass. I don't think that's what we have. He said pretty much intimate, this has been a long time happening with a very specific focus on a combat sport that is up and coming. I didn't hear any bullshit about PBR. I'm not talking about Paps Blue Ribbon. I'm talking about professional bull riding, like I heard from that guy from Endeavor. And that was about a year ago that I had that conversation. No, it was MMA focused. Why? Because they, the perception is that the growth deltas attached are to a completely new audience. Or how many, you know, at this point, football was like heavy metal. Heavy metal routinely sells the same number of records a year because you have an ever-replenishing version of disaffected teenagers. I started listening to heavy metal when I was 14 years old. Onset of puberty, not surprising. Also around the time I started seeing Taxi Driver every opportunity I could. Alienated, disaffected teen, very possibly. Very possibly why two years later I got into punk rock. Same thing. It replenishes itself. Football fans, I don't know. It's like the heavy metal thing. Everybody's going to be into football. They kind of get in, you know, you have the same number, but it doesn't have a ceiling like, like MMA has. We don't know what the MMA ceiling is, but ESPN is gambling on the fact that wherever that ceiling is, it's higher than we've ever imagined. Higher than we ever imagined. So, uh, so I thought that was pretty stunning news, and I'm feeling pretty comfortable sharing it with you. There was other stuff that was said, and, um, I, you know, I, I don't know, there's other stuff that was said, and I, mean, I, I think I gave you the gist of it without compromising this guy's position. So on the UFC Fight Night 152, uh, I think I'm about to die, but uh, uh, hey, don't, mind, don't mind me. I didn't have many uh, picks on this card. I understand that uh, Julio uh, Ars and Julian uh, Arosa was a fight that I should watch. Haven't done it yet. Didn't care about it before. 
people have told me just a few minutes ago to watch it. I'll watch it after they get off the show, but I haven't watched it now. Zach Cummins, and I'm not starting at the top because we've expected that. Um, Zach Cummins, Trevor, uh, Trevor Giles didn't care. Ed Herman, Patrick Cummins didn't care. Grant Dawson, Michael Trezano didn't care. Michael, uh, Michelle uh, Pereira versus Danny Roberts didn't care. Everybody told me you're a fucking moron. Go back and watch it. I have, and I'll talk about that. I'm going to the top and start with the top and go back down. I'm just trying to tell you, give you a, a sense of lay of the land. Desmond uh, Green against Charles Jourdain didn't care. Aspen Ladd, Sajara Eubanks cared. Davi Ramos, Austin Hubbard uh, didn't care. Charles Oliveira uh, and Nick Lentz cared. Vincente Luque and Derek Krantz. We, I got into an argument with Steph Haynes about it just now. We recorded uh, Care Don't Care, which will come out on, you know, I don't remember what she's doing now, Monday night or Tuesday. I can't remember which. But she said, no. I said, you talked me into picking Luque. And she goes, yeah, that's why you got your win. I go, look, you got to know if I if we had gone to Vincente Luque versus Derek Krantz, the, the Rocky pick from the Contender Series, I would have said I don't give a shit. Just because Magni got busted for fucking performance enhancing drugs or whatever the fuck it was. It's not like I'm going to magically care. I barely cared. But Magni figured that he's he's probably the get, get, get the gallider general. When I refuse to pick him in this fight because I'll never pick him again because he's a gicta, just when I thought I got out, he pulled me back in by pulling out of the fight completely. So I, I'm going to say still I don't care about this Luke A. Krantz fight. Steph says I did because she doesn't want me to end up the stinky, uh, the stinky red caboose, which is what I was. I care, don't care, don't care. For me, this was very much like, um, you know, you know what it is. It's like if you have a date that you're lukewarm on, you didn't really want to go, but you don't want to be impolite, and you go on the date anyway, and it ends in sexual contact, and you're miserable. And by which I mean not happy, but your performance is aggressively subpar. And under normal circumstances, if it was somebody you gave a shit about, you'd be like, oh, God, whatever. But this is like, so? That's what this fight was like. You know, there were like five fights I cared about on a 14, 13, 14 card, pick card, uh, fight card. But, you know, these things, in other words, these things under promise and over deliver. But it's hard to get excited about things that under promise. And when you over-deliver on something that's under-promised, does that mean there were six good fights out of 13? Does that make it better? I somehow don't know if it does. Anyway, Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson, I cared about. Uh, Ian Heinish and Antoli Carlos Jr., I didn't care about. And Rafael Dos Anjos and Kevin Lee, I cared about. Now, let me go let me just go back end in this. I picked Kevin Lee for this, not because I like Kevin Lee. In fact, I don't like Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee, I remember talking to this guy, Evan. I'm not sure he wants me to use his last name. He's a Rolling Stone writer. And we were both covering early UFC. And he had been embedded because he was a Rolling Stone and they gave a shit about him. And I was only grappling magazine. But he had been embedded with Punishment Fight Team. And I was asking, well, hey, man, how's it going out there? How do you like it hanging out with Tito? Because at that point, I was already hanging out with Tank Abbott. So I got the Tank, you know, the Tank take, which was like, Tito, I catch that guy in my pickup truck stealing my checkbook, writing checks to himself. Fuck that guy. Um, he said, well, you know, Tito and his whole team, they've been nothing but nice to me. But I can't help it, man. I go, can't help what? 
He reminds me of every fucking dick I ever hated in high school. But he's not done anything to me. Kevin Lee traditionally has reminded me of guys who I've hated my entire life. There's a friend of mine, and I could say his name, Kirk Pease, because when I first met him, I don't think either one of us had a very positive, both alpha males, you know, um, and we didn't like each other very much. He was probably, my self-perception is was never very good because I would have said, ah, he's a pretty boy. You know, so girls, I kind of pay attention. But, you know, the actual fact is I was a pretty boy too, but he was just a prettier boy maybe. So, you know, Kevin, Kevin Lee grinds, you know, fights, has got to get, but somebody said, I think it was Funky Ben, said, what is it with these guys? They start out nice guys, and next thing you know, they're wearing sunglasses inside and big fur coats. And I think he was talking about cats like Kevin Lee. So I did. I was of two minds. My heart wanted me to pick uh, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. I've seen some fucking video packages with him. I just like the guy's whole shtick. I like him. He's with his kids or giving back to the community. Now, I understand that this package is about image creation because I know what they did to Gibbler when they tried to get him to run chickens out of the house. He was like, man, you know, well, you want me to wear a sombrero too? You want me to get my friend the mariachi? Get the fuck out of here with that. So I know they're trying to do some package these things. I know how video people work. I know how media works. So it may be, he might be a monster, but that's not the vibe I get. So he's an older fighter. He's like hanging out with kids, giving back to the community. I like his whole shtick. You know, he's not rising to the trash talk. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think we're a post-trash talk. You know, you have the apex of McNuggets. And I think people have, uh, I'm going to say a turning point. When I saw that Darren Till, George Masvidal interview at the table with Dan Hardy, it was like, fuck. This has done more to make me attracted to the fight than any fucking video clip of some guy calling another guy a bitch or snatching his belt or telling him to blow him or any of that stupid shit. I'm tired of that. Why? Because at the end, I see people hugging and it's just, oh, other guy's kayfabe. Fuck you. Well, I, don't, I don't care for it. There are other ways to do this. So I'm liking those. He's an older fighter. I like, I just like the vibe. My heart wanted to pick him. But, but, I, I'm aware of something, and I'm aware of something that we're all aware of on a subconscious, unconscious level, that eventually, on a long enough timeline, everybody gets beaten. For example, Johnny Boney Joni. He will get beaten at some point. And as much as I love that guy, and I'm sorry, I do. I, I, I think he's, uh, I think we're on a, some Achilles shit with him. Demigod shit, like Hercules. And I'm not saying these guys are good guys. Like I would talk last week about Hercules. Periodically, Hercules would flip out and kill a bunch of people. Something when you take that divine essence element and mix it with the human, it gets distorted in the only way it could. Look, they talked about the platonic triad, good, true, and beautiful. And that the sense world was created from these eternal ideas. If you saw a beautiful flower, if you saw a flower, it brought to the good, the true, the beautiful. It brought it all to a head. Small child who says something nice, to you, you know, these things. But I think somehow when you take that essence and, and put it into, put that jet fuel into a human vehicle, it's going to fucking break. Johnny, Johnny, I'm not blind to Johnny Boney Joy's faults. I interviewed the man 
and he got prickish with me halfway in the interview for something he misheard. And I was like, oh, there's a little Johnny. And everybody talks about, oh, he's two-faced, he's two-faced. We all have multiple faces, all of us. Just depends on how deep and dark the other one is. But we're here because we know on a long enough timeline, these cats lose. And if you can honestly tell me you don't want to be there when Johnny Boney Joni loses your fucking life. I love, I love dude, but I want to be there when he loses. I want to see it. I love Tyson too. And I, I skipped the Buster Douglas fight. I think I was playing some shows overseas. And when I, I checked the next morning, they said, yo, he fucking lost the Buster. Get the fuck out of here. I suspected Don King collusion involvement. I suspected the fight was thrown. When I finally saw the fight, I was like, motherfucker, how could I miss it? I didn't. I get, I saw him bite Holyfield's ear. That was historically epic. Of course, he was just looking for a way out, and that was the beginning of the end fam, but whatever. In this instance, in this instance, all these cats, look, do you, do you remember the emotional sensation you got when when uh, Nate uh, uh, choked out McNuggets, that was something. These discontinuities are what we live for. It's the essence of drama. So, so uh, um, you know, uh, I figured RDA has been losing. He's older. Right? He's on his way out. Odds makers were with me. All of us, John Nash, Steph, we all picked Kevin Lee, but my heart was never in the Kevin Lee pick. My heart was never in the, with the Kevin Lee pick. In fact, when they start fighting and he's investing all that energy in the first round, trying to mow mow RDA, I was like, dude's going to lose. If there was some late last minute, if there was some late last minute high stakes gambling, where in other words, your return to get back 100, you'd have to pay 500 or something crazy like that, I would have stepped up to the table right then after that first round and bet on RDA. Because all of a sudden, I'm looking at dude, he's not fighting for fucking five rounds. Kevin Lee thinks he's going to finish his shit in under five rounds. He's wrong. He was dead. He got, he got fucking a head and arm triangle. He got fucking basic submission, got murked by a basic. I put it on some guy today, didn't even clear my leg. I still was still in the guy's half guard. I was like, hmm, I wonder what happens if I squeeze really hard. Dude tapped. I go, why'd you tap? And then I kind of hurt my jaw. I've been there, done that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ugh, I just ate before the show. It's killing me. I just had something to eat, grammatically more correct. And, and I was rooting for RDA the entire fight, which means I voted with my head, not with my heart. And at least if I vote with my heart and I lose, I feel okay. When I vote with my head and I lose, I just feel stupid. Not stupid, I'm stupid. But I'm stupid to have listened to the rest of yous. I should have known the most reliable measure of greatness, me. Trust your instincts, me. Providence smiles on me. So, um, glad to see RDA win. Um, and Kevin, Kevin Lee is now in, a, in what we call the event horizon position also known as a grabbing the ankles, ass in the air position. Because the reality of it is, 
Dude can't lose again. Three in a row. Got a buddy who's been married four times. After his after his second marriage, he goes, I'll never get married again. I go, why? He goes, I don't want to be a three-time loser. Got married a third time. I go, Joe, bro, what the? He's like, ah, okay, well, this time is going to work. Yeah, it didn't work either. Four times. Fortunately, his fourth wife is fucking wonderful. And all this, oh, what are the first three wives have in common? Their names all start with the letter L. Sign. The wife that things have worked the best with, name starts with the letter N. And she's fucking great. I was like, see, it's just an alphabet thing, man. You had to get off the L's. Analyze your patterns. Some guy at the gym once shows me his wife, his ex-wife, and his ex-ex-wife. They all look like the same woman. And he's like, yeah. I go, you got a thing, bro. Yeah. You got to get out of that thing. No. I don't know where he is now. Uh, Ian Heinish, uh, called Shoeface. I didn't give a shit about the fight. But I did like the fact that it was a matchup between Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling. And the wrestler, I'm going to smash him. I swear, she got schooled the first round. Fortunately, he pivoted. Made an adjustment and fucking crushed him the se- uh, 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 second and, and third round. But it was funny watching him. Like, you got dude on your back. He's, that doesn't mean the game is stopped. It's not wrestling. Wrestlers forget. On a long enough timeline, I probably would have given this fight to Antonio Carlos Shoeface because I was seeing a lot different looks on, on the ground. But it could just be he's a better jujitsu player. Then Heinish is a wrestler, even though Heinish is a state champion, two-time state champion wrestler, and so on. Doesn't matter. That's not what we have. We have three rounds. Dude lost. Felicia Spencer, Megan. I picked Megan Anderson, um, but, yeah, like Steph suggested, she needs to be on the uh, – she's big. Sometimes big people are hard to deal with, but it was clear that her jiu-jitsu was really subpar. I was screaming at the phone because that's how I watched it. And when the, uh, Spencer had her back, they were wet enough. She, she just shucked her. Shucked her. It was first round, but it was three minutes in the first round. There was enough. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Go wheelie. Ass higher. Head lower. Shaker. Didn't. But I have to say, Felicia Spencer, there used to be a friend of mine who I won't name. And he, would, he was a, a drummer, and he tried singing for a bit. And he would get in front of the microphone, and he was like, he had such anti-charisma that he was almost ca- charismatic. He was eerily charismatic. His and she was the same way. Felicia Spencer said, "We want to fight." I don't know. Whatever. I just am happy to be here. Well, what was it? Was it a pretty exciting performance? Yeah, sure. I guess. I mean, I was. You know, I've been better. I wasn't really that good. It's like you know, I've tried to date people like that. I try to date people like that, and after a certain point, you know, I just fucking fly the white flag. It's like, you are working so aggressively. Woman tells me, you know, I'm a lousy lay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. No, I, I, that's only half the game. The other half the game is me, and I'm not lousy. I'll help you. She goes, no, I don't like uh, that. And then she starts telling me, like, disgusting shit. And it's like, I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're, you're trying to fucking queer the deal. And then eventually they hit on that thing where, you know, I got hammered to, oh, I'm out. That's it. I'm foot phobic. You start talking about the feet. I'm fucking out. That's it. You've successfully convinced me. And so, you know, there's a whole category. And that's what Felicia Spencer was just doing. It's like, do you think that Sean Shelby, also known as Keith, was excited at the prospect of you giving another speech like this? Undefeated or not, 
you got to work on your PR presentation. We're here, baby. We're here. Contact us. I'm not asking you to be more excited. Make believe you're talking to your mother, somebody you can have an unguarded moment with, and you're excited about what you're doing because right now it doesn't sound like it. The Rocky moment with Luke and Krantz, who gives a shit? I don't care. That Krantz ties into Sage. I'm not making fun of Cat anymore. It was like, let's give this undeserved. Let's give him a Rocky moment because people will love that. We love Rocky moments. Only when Rocky moments can start raging bull moments. I didn't go down, Ray. I didn't go down. Yeah, those are good moments. Those are good moments. I don't know if that's what we got. Charles Oliveira, uh, the Bronx against Nick Lenz. He's a most submissions of anybody in the UFC, Oliveira. Love to watch him fight, but this was a sad fight. It didn't, we could see my eyes move. Yeah, I'm looking at the fight. I'm looking at the listing. Nick Lentz, Nick DeCarney, man, it's fucking sad. Sad. I, I don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to be back in that place. Uh, Aspen Ladd, Sajara Eubanks. I felt bad for how I treated Sajara Eubanks before. I didn't realize she was a Lloyd Irvin uh, pick. And I, like I said before, I am a fucking dude. If you're clever, clever way to beat a gang rape charge, hey, I couldn't get it up. I can't be guilty of rape if I couldn't get it up. But she, I know, I think she's left uh, Lloyd Irvin. I don't like the cult thing. I don't I, I, like. I remind Sorrell with great opportunity. You might get shot in the parking lot. Oh, these guys with the sensei, and you got to bow, and you got to go. No, 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 no. I think that every time I come to a traffic circle and I see that sign that says yield, and I say to myself, I yield to no man. Overwhelming force, yeah. I'm General George Custer. Well, he died with shit in his pants anyway. No true American hero. That just fucked up. My favorite thing is to read uh, Native American accounts <laughs> of that day. <laughs> See if you get your hands on some of those. Those are wonderful. Uh, uh, Michelle Pereira and Danny Roberts. That was worthwhile tracking down. Uh, Danny Rob, uh, Michelle uh, Pereira is like one of these cats. He's like Johnny Walker, who I call Johnny Walker Red who are direct descendants in my mind of Sakuraba, who are cats who are just creating on the fly. They realize that this is martial, yes, but it's art. Driven by intuition and emotion. What seems right. I'm dancing, I'm moving, I'm flipping, I'm trying this, I'm trying that. I'm trying new looks, I'm angling. I'm experimenting because if I'm not gonna experiment, if I'm gonna fight the same fight that all the rest of you are fighting, why am I even here? Good point. He was a don't care, Pereira, now a care. That's how you fucking do it. Watch that fight if you haven't seen it. So I'm going to tie off. Uh, I got to get the wife is in a play. Uh, so I got to get to it. And that's what she was saying goodbye earlier. So I cannot fuck around. Got to take a shower, get cleaned up, get my seat so I can film this thing for her. But I want to talk some more about some of you have been sending me sending me information uh, via Twitter on some of the stuff we talked about last week with the life after death. And about, now I am, I, I, if you remember, I tied it into, there, there's been a lot of talk about how we live in a simulation. There have been movies 
The Matrix is fundamentally a movie about our bodies are red, are, you know, the Einstein, Podolevsky, Rosen, which was just uh, theorem, which was just mentioned in uh, Avengers Endgame. It's a very real deal. And it was a spooky action at a fall at a distance, which is what uh, Einstein called it, where they took where they shot a crystal um, with this like electron beam thing. And they had two separate fucking things, atoms spinning here and atoms spinning here. And they could affect the change in one by affecting a change in the other with no apparent connection between them. And this is what they used this uh, not SETI, which is a search for extraterrestrial life institute. But another institute that was into precognitive thought, thought transmission, essentially mind reading for military purposes, that was a linchpin of them deciding that they could do this stuff. And we've all been able to do it. Based on this, I, I went uh, with a, a quantum mechanics guy, and we conducted a bunch of experiments in thought transmission. And they all worked fundamentally, but they were all much more difficult to do than pick up the phone. So we kind of got to a dead end when we realized that I, we could actually, you could transmit or you could receive. Some people were effective transmitters. Some people were effective receivers. Some people were, could do both. My theory is that, say, um, if, if you've ever known those human beings, say men specifically, men who are not especially attractive or good looking or rich or have very much on the ball, but are extraordinarily, extraordinary ladies men, say, I think that these guys are fundamentally good transmitters. In other words, it's a great line from a Black Flag song where he goes, I want to make, where Rollins sings, I want to make, make you feel what you make me feel. Uh, I think the song is Three Nights Off of My War. I want to make you feel how you make me feel. This is, and this ties into Aleister Crowley and some of this Enochian key stuff with thought transmission, whether you're talking about magic on one side of the, the curtain or science on the other side of the curtain, it's the same thing. I want to affect change across a distance. Sex magic that Aleister Crawley talked about is legit. Close your eyes. I'm going to give you a fucking two-minute primer on it. Close your eyes in a darkened room. Sit quietly. Be physically comfortable. You can lay down if you'd like. Can't fall asleep. If you fall asleep, whatever. No need to worry. You start again the next day. Close your eyes. Now, when you close your eyes, you're going to see a lot of visual imprint on the back of your eyelids. Uh, it'll look like snow on an old-fashioned TV. Eventually, you're going to see it'll look to be white. You know, the presence of light. Dark, the absence of light. And you'll start to see d distinct pieces of information. Focus on one of the spots of light. Typically, this will be purple. I don't know why it happens that way. It's kind of purplish. And look at it like you're trying to look at an animal in the field that you're going to shoot. But don't come with that energy. Just look like you're looking across an animal in the field. And as you look at this purple spot with your eyes closed, you'll get closer to it. And you know you're getting closer to it because it seems like it's getting larger and larger and larger until it fills up your entire field of dark vision. And you will feel yourself 
you will feel yourself as though you were walking through a darkened house going from one room into another room. You are at that point in dream space. Completely in dream space. Now, I talked to Anton LaVey, interviewed him a bunch, and had a personal association with the man before he died. And he would talk about not sex magic as much as uh, uh, why he stayed up at night and slept during the day. He said because when people are sleeping and dreaming, they're especially susceptible to dream interference. So I experimented. Already gone through the Einstein-Podolevsky-Rosen theorem and done experiments with thought transmission, I started to experiment with things that I wanted. Not bad things, which is the essence of black magic. I never tried to get into other people's heads to fuck up their worlds, but I used them for salesmanship. Sex, pretty much. Or certain things, wish for money, raises, try to get inside my boss's head. Um, some people call it meditation. Maybe it didn't work. Maybe, maybe those numbers I put up in terms of partners, maybe those just came as a result of good fortune and opportunity being in the right place. But let me tell you, this shit is, is real. There's a material side and there's a consciousness side, which is where things happen. Now uh, we talked about demons and angels as being game, uh, uh, game referees of sorts. All right. So, so we, we have these game referees and we are somehow involved in choosing the games. Degree of difficulty, greater or lesser. Like you would think, well, if people could choose, why wouldn't we all choose to be billionaires? Because a billionaire is an abstraction based on an abstraction. Money is an abstraction. You're going to ask for that. You can't ask for that in a very simple way. Many things have to happen. Many things. Conditional things. And since we're all playing, like somebody once said, we're all stars of our own drama. We're all, we're, it's a multiplayer game. I feel I'm fairly successful in having played the game thus far the way I've played the game. I'm about to get in a vehicle and drive somewhere. Get in this vehicle and drive somewhere in this version of the game that presently exists in 2019. Somebody else's version could involve a fucking tree branch that just like uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto, shit happens that the game designers have created. That's random. A branch falls off a eucalyptus tree, splits my car in half. I'm out of the game. Whole series of things had to happen from beginning to end to get me from there to here. So Eugene, how's this tie into to the precognitive thought and thought transmission? Well, that there's a world outside of material in which we exist with some sort of identification of consciousness that is personal and individual, not soup-esque. In the con soup of consciousness, I do have a sense of I, just like when we go through that fucking the, the tunnel of light and dark, eventually step into that room. I still do have a single sense, a notional, a notional sense of, of individuality. And Rene Descartes 
talks about it when he talks about a priori knowledge. As long as I could perceive something else out there, I understand the concept of two at the very least, which means I understand the concept of one, which means I also understand the concept of zero. So clearly, they're the game, they're the game books, the, game, the rule books for the game that we're presently involved in. And there's another one that outlays it when they talk about multiverses that's behind it. Different set of rules. Interplay, yes. Well, how, Eugene, how do we make use of this information? I have no idea. If I had some idea, I'd probably be living in a compound in Waco, Texas, and you guys would be hanging around the perimeter with fucking guns. But I don't. I, I, I don't. But like Nick Cave sings on uh, the murder ballads, death is not the end. Any theory of nirvana, enlightenment, a satori, uh, all of these rising and advancing of the spirit, you know, heaven, all these things. Talk about successful gameplay. We've, we've given the books, we're told. So why would I go to be punished? These, these are just gaming terms. Which is why when I have the idea to run for president of the United States of America, it seemed to take off. Why? Because Providence has chosen me. They're using you out of your mind. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm looking into trying to get 65,000 signatures to get my name on the ballot. Which is a dangerous level of gamesmanship because suddenly I'm being exposed to a lot of other consciousnesses that might have very different plans. The world has got some plans for me. Courthouse jails and factories, blacks and whites on the street for me, for me. I see my place in America waste. Face with choices I can't take. Sorry, I had to go down that black flag road. Man, those songs are hard to sing. Make you dizzy. Not enough oxygen coming in. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. But what I want to do is, like, I remember for a long time, my mother and my stepfather would have these terrible arguments when I was growing up. They got together when I was six and broke up when I was 18. And I'd be sitting there listening, and I'd go, if, they were, if he was smart right now, he would say this. And then he would say the exact opposite, inflaming the arguments even more. And i go, well, if she were really smart right now, she would say this. And then the, they, she'd say the exact opposite, and Escaladio would build and build and build and build, and they'd be eventually crockery being smashed and the whole bit. Knives pulled on each other. I, look. This is what I'm feeling like with this with this uh, presidential thing. Right? I exist for one reason in this framework and one reason only. So that when somebody gets asked a difficult question and, and, and they're about to whiff it, like when Dukakis gets asked, well, what would you do if one of these guys raped your wife? And he's like, I know, bro. I'd shoot him in his fucking eyes. That's what I would do. But fortunately, America is not about what I would do or what I want. America is what was best for all of us. And if I'm running around shooting people in the eyes, that's not good for us. That's what somebody who would tell the truth would say. And he would have fucking won if he had said it. The reason we have Trump as president is because he is a man who, who does precisely that. Right or wrong, says the first thing into his fucking mind. 
it feels refreshing almost to some people to go from here to here. It just seems to me like something stupid people do. But I do it to a certain degree. But I'm also really thoughtful. Like the number of times I have to justifiably apologize to people because I've said something that I don't mean or didn't mean to say, very few. Not that I don't say mean things, but I meant to say it and stand by it. If I hurt your feelings accidentally, usually that's probably your fault. So this presidential run exists. I don't expect to win. I don't expect to get the 65,000 signatures necessarily, but I am pushing it. It's not just a joke. Why? Because I want to be in a position to answer the way somebody who's paying attention should really answer. What do you think about abortion, uh, Mr. Robinson? Well, I'll tell you very truthfully, my attitude about abortion was pretty fucking laissez-faire before, which means I didn't give a shit whether it was outlawed, I didn't give a shit whether it was inlawed, until I started saying that. And my mother said, well, one of my best friends in college got pregnant, didn't want to go home for the holidays to face her parents, 19-year-old girl. Went outside of D.C. to find some fucking back alley cat Got blood poisoning, fucking died. Is that what you want? You want your 19-year-old daughter who's experimenting with the joys of life to go to some fucking because she's afraid that you're going to fuck her up because she's pregnant and then she dies? Is that what you want? Or do you want her to take her lumps and just do like Madonna says and get pregnant? Or if it's your mistress and you're married and she gets pregnant, or nah, nah, it's a nuanced issue. Let the women decide. Yeah, Eugene, but the, the governor of Alabama, she signed it. She's a woman. She's an older woman. What do you think all the old, every single horrifying woman in the fairy tale is an older woman? Why? Because I think they have an inborn antipathy for younger women. Why? Because younger women embrace the possibilities and the potentialities that they had but didn't get their hands on. Envy. Envy. I might be wrong. Somebody in the sex column that's up today on Ozzy.com uh, a few weeks ago, all these poly polyamorous people were giving me shit. And they just go back to the column of a few weeks ago. Oh, you bet. Some guy asked about, well, we should, what books should we read? I go, read them books on being poly. It's like fucking read them books on staying inside to read books on going outside. And all the poly people were, you're bullshit. You just need to read as many books. Go, you people want to destroy the fucking every vestige of life. It's called play. I didn't read any books on how to play chess. Somebody told me, and I just started playing chess. I started to read little pamphlets on how to lift weights. But I didn't do that for more than a week. Figured it out. That's what the brain wants. Anyway, the show is done. Got to get to the wife's play. This is V6. Six of Eugene S. Robinson show stomper. There's no quick conclusion to any of this. I haven't been able to grasp enough why we're in this simulation. Don't know. Don't know, bro. But we're here. We'll find out soon enough. Talk to those people. You know, you, you got to talk to those people who, who died and came back. And they all report the same things that are very, very similar. And then I saw scientists go, well, these things will happen no matter what. 
when your brain starts to, yeah, like if somebody's choking you, you have the same kind of popping, you know, black things popping. Yeah. Some of that exists in the material world, but some of it doesn't. They've been people who've died, who've heard everything that's happened in that room around them. As their consciousness raised up through the roof and went back to the place of consciousness, the soup. Anyway, I'm rambling. V66, I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Find me at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter or Mr. Sleep, the number three on Instagram. I can't let you in unless I can see into your fucking thing. If you have no post, LA only, you keep sending me stuff, you got no post. I think you're a spy. I can't let you in. So, anyway, we'll see you Monday night. Steph goes live with uh, uh, Care Don't Care, which is no fight next weekend. Memorial Day weekend. Uh, got the anniversary with the wife, so doing something else, but, uh, no show, but we do talk about the fight that we just talked about, so some of this will seem familiar to you, as well as she goes off-brand, off-topic, and because of Nash being a big wig in the movies, we talk a lot about movies. Tuesday night, start off with uh, If I Did It, and then followed by If the Shoes Fit at 7.40, got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I don't know what now. Alexi doesn't choose to the morning uh, or the afternoon of that day before we get into it. So that is the end of the Eugene Robinson Show. Stop today, V66. I'm your host, Eugene Robinson. We'll see you all in a few days. And, um, oh, wow. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, next week, end is my anniversary. So there will be no V67 next week. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. So we'll see you all in two weeks. I can't really think of a circumstance. Maybe I'll, I know what, I'll do it Monday. So uh, so V67 will be on Monday. Tell everybody, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Look what you made me do!